you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Black Man with a Gun Show. This is episode 339. This week, two interviews. Mike Smeagol, Ron George, who's running for governor, both from Maryland politics. Going to talk about Maryland a lot today. I got a promo from the New Media Expo I want to expose you to. I want to talk about ErgoGrips.net for a hot second. The new book, Black Man with a Gun Reloaded, is looking good. I saw the cover mock-up. A new blog, a new slant, indivisible.org. Me and shirts and trying everything and my attention and deficit disorder. I got community news. Oh, we got some stuff to talk about today. This is the podcast for the cool people in the gun community. I talk about and to newsmakers, producers, and things that matter to law-abiding, fun-loving gun owners like you. I love America, the freedom, the music, the people like you and me. I know what you're going through. I'm your friend and brother from another mother. Encouraging and trusted content from the guy known around the world as the black man with a gun. This is what cool sounds like. I'm Ken Blanchard, and welcome to the Black Man with a Gun Show. All right. I am so glad you decided to join me one more time. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Yep, we got Maryland politics, Maryland crabs, Maryland, all kind of Maryland stuff. But the big thing today is just talking about you. The power still is, and we the people. I'm just here to encourage you because I know that we can do it if we just hang together. Look what Colorado did. New Jersey, California. Watch what happens. Right after John Wayne leads us in the Pledge of Allegiance, let's get on with episode number 339 of your favorite righteous podcast. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. If you checked out the blog, blackmanwithagun.com, you'll see that there's a post where I talk. Well, maybe it's not there. Oh, well. Go to indivisible.org. And that's indivisible without the I in front of it. Indivisible. Taken right from the Pledge of Allegiance. There's some things that I just, just got my, we call it, get your craw. You just can't take it anymore. And this is a movement of one right now. And I'm hoping I can get at least another person that thinks that the world doesn't need to be divided anymore. That America still has to be we the people and not them and us and all that. Check it out. To raise money for it, I'm going to have a hoot hoodie with the American flag. On the front. So if you see a Trayvon Martin Zimmerman demonstration for racial profiling and a whole bunch of other stuff that just divide the country, you put on your hoodie. Your hoodie has old glory on the front and the word indivisible.org on it. We're not going to stand for it. So indivisible.org. Check that out. There is a campaign. If you go to booster.com forward slash one nation. Booster.com forward slash one nation. And you'll see what I'm talking about. I only got like a few weeks. 
before that thing pops. But I'm trying to get at least 20 hoodies um, printed and then they'll do it. It's all on demand kind of thing. Me and t-shirts, man, I'm trying everything. And I had the logo with the heart and the firearms on the side of it. I know I had a couple people sign up for it, but I didn't have enough to, to go with it. So we'll bring that back a little later. Like I'm working with attention deficit disorder, but I'm going to be all right. I can feel it. It's coming around the corner. This show is sponsored by Crossbreed Holsters, and I get like a lot of love from ErgoGrips.net as well. The economy is jacked up, and a lot of people are being real, real careful how they spend their money and all that stuff. But I'm a small business, a small media business. My job is to amplify what you do. If you have a business, if you have um, a seminar, training, something that needs to get more eyeballs on it, more ears on it, throw it my way. And speaking of that, also have new feature I call community news. And that's when I'm going to promote stuff, not for money, but for our community, because I am the pastor of Patriots, Pistoleros and Paladins. And part of my job is to keep the community together. It's all about love in my house. So welcome to the Black Man with a Gun show. Speaking of love, Aaron Spuler from the Weapons blog is raising money to support his cousin. They have a three-year-old daughter that was airlifted to the hospital and diagnosed with leukemia last week. So she needs um, some money for chemotherapy and the family is not doing that well. So they could, they're trying to raise a little bit of money just to give the family some money. And all he wants to do is raise $1,500. If you could head on over to weapon-blog.com. There's a tip jar over there. Um, There's also a little plug, a little blog about it. There'll be a link to it on the show notes for episode number 339 to give you more information if you want to help Aaron out. Don't have to. No obligation. It's all about love. Also, speaking of love, infringed the movie. You heard the crew from the Connecticut folks with their big, hairy, audacious goals to make a new movie a couple of shows ago. Things are moving kind of slow, and they can use a shot of love with a financial donation to help fund the flick. If you have it to give, infringe the movie. There is a link and a video on blackmanwithagun.com. Check out the link to that, to the show notes. You can check it out for yourself, or just Google infringe the movie. See, it's all about the family. And how about Coleon Noir? Didn't he spank Sarah Silverman's butt? So they had this movie. They tried to make fun of the NRA, and it was just downright racist. And I gave it my We Should Throw Eggs Award. Did a little blog post to highlight Coleon's post, which he didn't need my help because he had more views anyway. But YouTube pulled it. So that's some power right there. That was nice to see. This week, I had a chance to go to an Urban Cure dinner, and Star Parker who is conservative talk show host and activist. She was celebrating pastors, actually. Had one of the most ritziest, well-done functions I've ever been to in my life. And it wasn't celebrating pastors for having a mega church or making a lot of money or 
the normal stuff that folks celebrate pastors for. They were celebrating pastors for protecting life and freedom. Yeah, it was cool. Got a chance to meet um, Senator Ted Cruz. He, he popped in there. And um, Charles Lawler, the governor candidate I had on the show a couple weeks ago. He was sitting right behind me, him and his beautiful wife. And my wife and I were just sitting there like, wow, look at all these people. You, you know him? You know her? Yeah, I've seen him on television. It was like that. It's been that kind of a week. And I think something's about to break for your buddy. Yeah, I just feel it. It's coming around the corner. And I'm telling you, even if you're going through something right now, stay, stay in it. Don't quit yet. Because if I don't quit, you can't quit. Deal? Deal. Question? 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 Of the week. Of the week. Of the week. I didn't even say we were going to have a question of the week. But my question of the week is, what if we didn't have any hypothetical questions? Ken, that doesn't make any darn sense. I know. Just a little silliness to make you say, what? Well, one of the best things about this week is I got a chance to talk to some really cool people. And I got a stack of business cards that uh, I'm really happy about. So I got some new friends to keep in contact with. And let's see. Shout out to uh, Pastor Lewis Reeves and Brother Vernon Williams and Dr. Chris Stockland, and John Solomon, and Special Agent Graydon, and John Cushman, and James Miller, Ryan Muti, and Laura Regas. Just to name a few off the top of my Rolodex. And then in the long list of friends, I want to thank uh, Rob Morris and all the folks that blog and have been writing at the gun rights magazine. I'm hoping that Dave has Dave Cole has some really good um, experiences. He's at gun site right now. And I hope he can come back and share what happened on the gun rights magazine blog. What will you find at gun rights magazine, local gun laws. You'll find things you want to know written by people like you concealed carry tips, people who travel and train, Authors who own and carry concealed. Writers who read and travel and then share what they've learned. From left and right, from top to bottom, they've got the country covered. Come, give them a read at gunrightsmagazine.com. That's gunrightsmagazine.com. And thank you, Rob and Jen. little home uh, advertisement there. So tell me what's going on in your world. Our Facebook page is... Black Man with a Gun 1. Got a lot of action there. Come on over. The water is fine. And don't forget freedomsnetwork.org. It's our personal backup uh, social media site. We can do everything there, just like Facebook, but it's owned by us. So nobody's spamming you. Nobody's stealing your stuff. You can post things there. You can grow there. Freedomsnetwork.org. See, in my little mind, I am um, Ted Turner. I am got my own CNN network. I got my own broadcast and things. So there's a Blanchard Media Group. 
that owns all this stuff, which is about four or five blogs and the host of this podcast. And my job, again, is to amplify your message. Got something cool you want to put out there? Here I am for you. Let's all join in and help stamp out, eliminate, and abolish redundancy. That don't make sense. Maybe it does. And one of the cool things that's happened in the last couple of weeks is that uh, a lot of politicians in Maryland have noticed little old me, and they actually said, hey, can I be on your show? I said, what? Come on over. And uh, we made some made one video and had a couple of interviews by phone, and I'm going to let you listen to them right after this message. New Media Expo is coming back to Las Vegas. January 4th, 5th, and 6th at the Rio Convention Center. This event could be the greatest investment you make in your online efforts. Don't miss this opportunity to network with the largest gathering of podcasters, bloggers, video, web, TV producers, and social media experts from around the world. Thousands of content creators from more than 50 countries will be attending. Connect with like-minded people and learn from the industry experts. Visit nmxlive.com for more details now. All right, one of the reasons I included this on the show was that I know there are bloggers and podcasters that listen to the Black Man with a Gun show. And I know we're going to SHOT Show in January, but about two weeks prior to that is this new media expo. And to quote Cliff Ravenscraft, I never knew how hard that was to say. Cliff Ravenscraft, also known as the podcast Answer Man. If you want to take your show, your blog, your new media to the next level, like that advertisement was like definitely to the next level, go to Vegas early. Go to the New Media Expo. You're going to learn some stuff. You can learn, I mean, if you learn one thing or get one contact, it can make a difference for the whole next 2014 for you. If this is a new concept for you, I want you to consider it. I'll be there. Yeah, I'm actually presenting on the power, power, power of, the niche of, the, of the niche in podcasting. podcasting. How cool is that? The power of the niche in podcasting. I know it's like two weeks before the SHOT Show. And believe me, all the new guns, all the people, that's cool too. But this can up your game. So check it out because podcasting is going somewhere. It's going to soon be in a lot of vehicles. It's going to be an addition like satellite radio, terrestrial radio, and then this podcast app. Watch, watch it come. It's coming. And as it gets bigger, only those shows that have professional sounds, that quality will stay. You probably got the content, but if it doesn't sound like anything. Hey, I'm just saying, like we say in church, there's plenty good room, plenty good room, plenty good room in my father's kingdom. There's plenty good room for your show and your blog. Just got to step it up. Speaking of stepping it up, this show has been sponsored by Crossbreed Holsters for a couple of years now. So let's hear from them. Crossbreedholsters.com. Often imitated, never duplicated, handcrafted in the USA. Home of the lifetime warranty and a try-it-free guarantee. Crossbreedholsters.com 
All right, our first interview is Ron George. He's a state delegate out of Annapolis, Maryland. And uh, I got a chance to do a YouTube video. And here we go. Ron George, welcome to the show. Hi, Ken. It's good to be here. And you're running for governor, right? I am. Tell me about that. Well, it wasn't something I aspired to. Uh, my business on Main Street, Annapolis, is in the shadow of the State House, and people used to ask me to go testify on business issues, economic issues. And I would go do that, and I realized there was a disconnect in understanding how to build a strong economy, how to build a tax base. And uh, I thought, maybe I should get involved. I went to talk about why the decoupling of the state tax was wrong, how it would hurt businesses, and I realized they just didn't understand. I had people from National Federation of Independent Business and Chamber of Commerce ask me to run for office, so I ran for the House of Delegates. I'm in the same district as the Speaker of the House. People told me I couldn't win. I just barely won the first time. And the second time around, after serving four years, I ran again, and I came in way in first place. Uh, I've been able to resonate with the voters and being able to uh, explain uh, issues to them, and they find that they agree with me, and it's across party lines. I consider myself conservative, but I, I'm solution-oriented. I try to find answers uh, for what's going to work. I often fault Republicans for, uh, it's, it's okay uh, to, to take certain positions, but you have to have answers. You know, you have to have answers and solutions. And uh, you just can't leave it there and say, I'm conservative, you know. What would a conservative do to find an answer? And I've come up with good answers. I've been able to have bills that have had uh, co-signers, co-sponsors uh, from both parties onto them. You'll find most of them are smart business issues, uh, good government issues. Uh, and because of that, many people were asking me to run for governor. I would always say, you're crazy, <laughs> cut it out. You know, I've got a business, I've got a life, I've got my family, I love my, I'm a jeweler by trade. Uh, I, I, I make and create at the bench, and I have two sons who are helping with the business, and I love it. It's, it's just a beautiful feeling to, to work with them. Uh, I would rather be doing that, uh, but there are a lot of problems out there, and I've always been the person who looks for solutions. It's just the way I am, I can't help it. When I was in New York City, and I was doing jewelry work, and I took down an acting work, I did a little acting on a soap opera and things, and I saw kids out on the street, runaways, push-outs. I just had to get involved, and I got involved in a, in a shelter there. Uh, it became very well-known and did very well. Uh, just counseling for three years, kids off the street. I just couldn't, you know, go to work on a soap opera and come home and ignore what I was seeing on the streets. Uh, people pushed into prostitution and drug use and things like that. So. I'm kind of across the board. I, I'm a person that's strong on economics and finance, but in a way that's supposed to, that can help people at all levels. Uh, my plan for governor is one that's very regional. I believe that you have to have a different solution for what's going to work in Baltimore than what's going to work in Prince George's County. Uh, you have to find ways uh, to make things work. I believe in building an economic base, a tax base, a strong one in Baltimore City. And people say, why are you concentrating on Baltimore? You're a Republican. I say, you know, I don't get that. Uh, most jurisdictions, most counties are paying more money to Baltimore than they're keeping home. It allows them to keep their money home. Uh, I put an economic plan together that allows us to lower the tax rates enough to be able to encourage investment in business and create jobs in our state. I understand how that happens. I've spent eight years on the Ways and Means Committee. Most people, most Republicans, only last two years maximum. Uh, it burns you out. There's a lot of issues you have to study. There could be hidden fees or taxes in bills you don't know about, and you could look bad if you vote for them. People don't want that, you know. Um, so, you know, I work hard. I study the bills. I provide talking points and bullet points uh, for the people uh, as it comes to the floor. I argue things well, and because of that, I've been asked to run for governor uh, quite a bit. So I'd say, you're crazy. I'm not going to do it. And then I'd hide behind my wife, and I'd say, I have one obstacle, and she'd kill me. 
and darn if my wife didn't become one of them, you know, and want me to do it. And I, I thought about the fact my kids want to carry on the business in this state. I thought about the problems of the state. And then it became personal, much more personal. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that a lot of people are feeling the same thing I'm feeling. We want to pass on something that's successful and does well. How do you think you're going to tackle some of these tough problems that's different from what we have right now? Well, I can tell you, um, I've gone to, uh, to Baltimore. I've worked in the inner cities, as I told you. I do a lot of volunteer work, so I understand the issues. I've been out there on the streets. I've seen what the kids are going through. I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, how, how uh, what used to be people of hard work at every uh, income level, you now have at the lower income level a total breakup of families and things. So one of my ideas is to bring the idea of the Harlem Children's Zones down to Baltimore, you know, the Baltimore Children's Zones. It, it, test scores go up. Uh, people are much more positive, they feel better about themselves, the attitude's sore, it's going very well, it's been proven. We need to design it in a way that works in those parts of Baltimore that have become incubators for crime. These kids have no place to go afterwards. People can criticize and say, well, that's going to cost you more to fight the crime and, and, and you know, get the gangs out and let these kids learn. And uh, you know what? What's happened in Harlem is you saved a lot of money because the decrease in crime in those areas. So these are productive answers. These are not Republican solutions. And I think we can build bipartisan support for a lot of the answers. Build an economic base. Uh, the Baltimore Sun said that uh, Delegate George is the leader of the people running for governor and having a platform put forward. And you know some of those ideas were to get rid of the gas tax, lower it back down, and the rain tax. Uh, but to also have a good dedicated source that you cannot touch for the Transportation Trust Fund and how to build that and how to have a percentage of the existing the gas tax that was already there and how that goes to that and build an economic base. Um, I have a plan to do independent audits of agencies. I showed in an editorial in the Baltimore Sun a few weeks ago. I think it was September 5th, it was. I, I, I mean, August 5th, uh, so about a month ago now, um, that uh, there's a lot of waste going on. I showed how federal dollars tax uh, money that had come to this state was misused. I think most people hate waste, they hate misuse, they want to make sure money gets where it goes to. As a business person, nothing irks you more than to see wasted money. You want to make sure it goes where it's supposed to, it, it gets results, and there isn't waste. And I think that's very important. Uh, that doesn't mean cutting to programs. It, you, you make sure the money gets more direct there, you have more money for the program itself. And also, you can use some of that money elsewhere instead of for that waste uh, to help this state. Uh, get the tax rates down, but also good government bills. Uh, people, if they take an oath of office and they abuse their office for monetary and personal gain, and then they're convicted of a crime, they should get back what they put into the pension system, but after that they shouldn't get their pension for life. They shouldn't get their health benefits for life. Uh, bills like that I've had in the last two years. People, it's very popular, they poll very well, uh, but they get put in the drawer and nobody wants to deal with those issues. I think people want good government. Uh, I was the ranking Republican on the Campaign Finance Reform Commission, and we made it uh, so it's a level playing field for all, fair for all, got rid of the loopholes, made transparency. Uh, it doesn't take effect until 2015. I wish it took effect immediately, uh, but they couldn't change it in the middle of an election cycle. A lot of good government issues out there uh, that help people. And, uh, and I know how to create jobs. The government doesn't create it, but you create an environment that's going to attract business here so we can create jobs. I want manufacturing jobs in Maryland. We don't get them anymore. Uh, people say, oh, they're going to China. No, they're not. They're going to South Carolina, Tennessee, and all these other places. You can go on the eastern shore of western Maryland, southern Maryland, and these little crossroad towns that have these little box buildings that used to be where there were 40 to 80 employees. They're gone. You know, 200 and less employees. Manufacturing's gone. We're expanding the harbor. Uh, I, I mean, we're expanding the canal 
And because of that, we're expanding the Baltimore Harbor. We're putting up bigger cranes. There's going to be bigger ships and more ships. Uh, CSX is putting new train depot areas uh, for carting it out of here. Guess what? We are doing nothing to attract import-export jobs. Those jobs will be in other states. They just bring it here to transport it. We should have them in our state. We are sitting right on the cusp of being able to be a very profitable state, have money for our needed programs, get rid of the waste, and create it much more business-friendly and create jobs. I was looking at a stat the other day. It's on Department of uh, Business and Economic Development under the governor, DBED. And it showed that between 2007 and 2012, we had less private sector jobs. That's the last statistics we have, end of 2012, than we did in 2007. So Martin O'Malley has not really created jobs, only government jobs. You just do that out of, you know, orders, executive orders and increasing taxes and bills. That's not how you create jobs. It, you don't create jobs just saying we're going to give more people government contracts. You have to create an environment where the private sector can grow. And when the private sector grows, you have more people paying taxes. You know, it helps us all. And with it shrinking and our needs for transportation and education growing, uh, we're going the wrong direction. Uh, we're headed for a crash in this state. And we need a change. We need it now. These are positive answers. And I think they reach across party lines. Between now and June of next year, what do you need people to do for you to help you get to that spot? Well, you said June, of course, because the primary has moved up to June. And I think it's go to voteronjorge.com. Look at my 10-point promise. We're going to be putting more of our economic plan out there. We only put a little synopsis on purpose at first, but we have a whole economic plan for the area. Spread the word. Uh, name recognition is important in a campaign early. Uh, people will say that I have lower name recognition than a couple other candidates who've actually been running for a couple years uh, in the primary, but their poll numbers have stayed the same, and I'm at even with them or higher. So I've just gotten into this. Nobody knew I was going to run until a few months ago, and uh, so it's growing very quickly. Um, very positive uh, <laughs> response from people, uh, be it Montgomery County, Prince George's, Anne Arundel. I was up in Baltimore County, down to St. Mary's County, Western Maryland. Been all the way out to uh, uh, Frederick and Hagerstown and, and, and to the farthermost re reaches of the state. Um, Eastern Shore, Lower Eastern Shore and all over. We're getting good response. It's a matter of getting to people and talking about it. So getting the name out there, uh, volunteer. We're creating a great great network of volunteers across the state. Um, I spoke before uh, Young Republican Club, uh, actually it was Central Committees, I guess, for the Northern Prince George's, and I they had 22, 24 people there, 14 of them right away signed up to help us in our campaign to help people. So when people are hearing the message, they're coming on board. Uh, I spoke before a women's club in Calvert County, and they all signed on. Uh, it's, they've heard the other candidates already. Um, I think people want solutions. I give 100%. I don't know any other way. I mean, when I ran in the same district as Speaker of the House and I came way ahead of him in first place, the top three came in, I just, I speak to the issues. I couch them in ways people understand. I don't run for my values to try to attack more, uh, attract more votes. I, I try to explain them in ways that people understand and can help them. All right, man, one more time. At URL, we can contact you and see all your good stuff. Yes, uh, I am Delegate Ron George. I'm running for governor. You go to voteronjorge.com, and you'll find our contact information right there, along with everything else. Thank you, Mr. Ron.
that was so funky you can smell it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That's kind of like how our gun rights are. In Maryland, the Governor O'Malley, he ramrodded some stuff down our throats that are going to come into effect in October 2013. So in effect, he just created the great gun rush of 2013. You go in the store and folks are piled up buying stuff, trying to get it before they can't get it. That's just a shame. But as you saw in Colorado, if you band together, if you have a plan, and your laws allow you to do so, you can change things. Well, we're going to change some stuff in Maryland. And it starts, though, with an education. You have to know that your rights are being attacked. You have to know what you can do. Every state's different. What worked in Colorado won't work in Maryland, won't work in California, maybe won't work in New Jersey. But you got to work within the system that you have. Is your state, you could easily bail. Believe me, I thought about it. Or you can stand and fight. What's that thing the G.I. Joes always say? And knowing is half the battle. You got to know. Next up is Delegate Mike Smeagle, who is definitely in the know. He actually has stopped uh, some of the foolishness that's gone through by educating people. Please welcome Delegate Mike Smeagle. Delegate Mike, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. As a delegate, what area in Maryland are you from? Um, right now, I live in Cecil County, Maryland. It's the head of the shore on the eastern shore. I represent 36 district. It's from uh, Cecil, Kent, Queen Anne's, and half of Caroline County. And so it's uh, the whole upper shore from the Bay Bridge out to Denton up to northeast Maryland. Oh, the pretty part of Maryland. Uh, I think there are many pretty parts, but yes, that is one. We're proud of it. Yeah. You're also a staunch advocate for the right to keep and bear arms, and you've been almost by yourself on some ends. Can you tell me about what's going down this month, this year, in Annapolis? Uh, well, in October, obviously in October, we're going to have the SB 281, which was the um, anti-Second Amendment legislation that was passed by Maryland this last legislative session will take effect on that date or immediately thereafter, the National Rifle Association will file a lawsuit. Hopefully we'll get an injunction or an injunctive order that will stop 281 from taking effect at that time. And then it'll we'll go up to the courts, uh, the federal courts. Hopefully the question goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court. What does the normal citizen need to do? What can, what, what can we do to get involved? Um, I would say uh, contact your delegates and your um, legislators. Ask them where they are on the issue of the Second Amendment. Um, there are gun clubs, there's organizations, there's many good organizations in Maryland. But if you wish to preserve any of your other constitutional rights, whether it's the right to free speech, um, the right of association, um, you, you're going to need to make sure that the Second Amendment is protected because that's the one that gives you the ability to protect all your other rights. So you may say, I don't hunt, I don't I don't like firearms, I don't want to be around them, but you better make sure that those who do wish to possess a firearm and keep it for protection against intrusion by their own government um, have the ability to do so. 
Absolutely. What's I was watching your site, DelegateMike.com, and I saw a couple of PDFs, a couple of files up there that actually blew my mind with the FBI and the state police. Can you explain that? Um, when what happened was, here's what in Maryland, the state police are. We are um, point of contact state, a POC state, um, for the purchase of uh, point of contact means that if you want to do a background check on somebody who wishes to purchase a firearm, whether it be what they, they consider to be an assault uh, weapon, um, is the name given to the long arms, um, or a handgun in Maryland, then the state police do the background check on the handguns. They use an antiquated 17 different databases. They, they can't communicate with each other. They have reasons for using this antiquated system. It slows down the process. It keeps people from being able to get the right to keep and bear arms. And in Maryland, um, in Pennsylvania and other states, seven seconds is all it takes. They put you in the NICS system. Mm-hmm. Maryland, a few years ago, was given the money under, I, I believe it was in the um, about 1990s, 1998, 1999, they were given money by the federal government to set up a next system. Maryland chose only set up the check on the long arms, on the um, uh, the uh, what they call assault weapons. I hate to use that term, but that's what the what they're referred to by by the state. So they use the um, assault firearms. Um, they do the check, but not on the handgun. So the state police um, would not allow you to use this NIC system on going through that. So when you purchase a farm, they'd go through, and they say there's a reason that they have to use the 17 antiquated systems and they can't use what everybody else does. They give three reasons. They say, well, we don't look at juvenile records. They're not reported to the feds under the NIC system. We don't look to see whether or not um, you have um, a protective order against you for spousal abuse, that's not reported. And we don't look to see if you have at least two DUIs, which makes you a habitual drunkard. So they use those three excuses to say, we then can take a longer time to do your background check. The problem with that is, by not going through the federal system, somebody can walk into Pennsylvania, buy a firearm, and come back to Maryland because we didn't report those who are known as, and the term they use is mental defectives, out of Maryland. So somebody in Maryland goes over to Pennsylvania, they don't know that they've been in Maryland adjudicated to be mentally defective, sell them the firearm, they come back here, and they do some nefarious deed, and uh, everybody wonders what happened. That's because the state of Maryland isn't joining the federal system and reporting that information. So other states don't know. Well, with these three areas that I told you that they use it as an excuse, um, they could easily ask a question on any of the forms that you fill out for your background check, just like they ask you, you know, have you ever renounced your citizenship in the United States, et cetera. They could easily ask you, have you ever had more than one DUI and put a penalty in there if you lie. They could ask you if you've ever had a domestic order against you, or they could ask you whether or not you have a juvenile record that um, of convicted of a juvenile crime that would have been more than a year in jail or a felony if it were an adult crime. And you answer that question. And the, so they can ask you and you put a form. They don't have to do these separate checks, but they do it. So now what happens is there are over 120 days, I think, right now. So I got a call from somebody today. They said there were 90 days out, and they're, and they're telling them it's going to take another month. So they're about 120 days out to do a seven-second check. That is a great infringement upon your ability to exercise your Second Amendment rights if it takes you 120 days to get your firearm to be able to do that. Now, state law says 
at the end of seven days, if the state police have not done the background check, then the FFL, the federal firearms license holder, who you're purchasing the firearm for, may release that firearm to the individual after seven days on the eighth day. And that's what's called eighth day. Now, the state police were getting behind, and they started telling people and sending out letters to all the FFLs who they regulate, and they look over, well, you know, we're a little bit behind. We'd like you to look the other way and not really hold us accountable to the fact that we're violating the federal the rights under the Constitution of the people who are buying their firearms from you, and we'd like you to let us go ahead and continue to get longer and longer behind and and not do what was necessary. It's like simply allowing point of purchase where you go in, they check you, and in seven seconds your background's done. Let us continue to do this. So they'd send letters. Well, it's very intimidating. If you're a man who owns a store or a woman, you own a firearm store, and the state police who investigate you and check you out are saying, we want you to cooperate. Well, usually you cooperate. Well, that cooperation, though, means that citizens are losing their right to keep and bear arms. So what happens is, they would send these letters, and I would put them up on uh, DelegateMike.com, and I'd say, no, the state police are wrong. Here's why they're wrong. We point to the law. They'd say, well, um, if you if you um, do this and you release it, you're still going to have problems with the feds because at the end of that eight days, you don't have that next check. And I would say, no, Maryland's point of contact state. Here's the law. It clearly says that all you have to do is show that you sent it back to the state police after they person purchased the firearm, you sent the information, you waited the seven days, so here's the fax received, or here it is by mail, and once you show that, the feds say, go ahead, you can release, because in your state, you only have to wait the time that is established for waiting, which in Maryland is seven days. So the state police were giving false information to the FFLs. I use DelegateMike.com to answer that. I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney for 26 years, so I would answer questions. Then what happens, the most, the, 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 the most uh, troubling thing that I've seen is a letter comes down from the FBI, and you can see it on DelegateMike.com. And this letter says, you may not show this, disclose this, or let anybody else see the information we're giving you to the FFLs in Maryland and the legal opinion we're giving you right now about what you can and can't do when somebody's standing in front of you and says they wish to have the firearm released to them on the eighth day, and you don't know this person. So somebody comes in and says, give me the most high-powered firearm you have and 30 boxes of ammunition, and they wait the eight days, and there is no background check. So the, there's no relationship. Usually if an FFL says, this is the person that's been buying from me for the last eight years, I know them, or they're a, fire, or they're, they're a policeman or a fireman, or we know them in the community, we don't have a problem, we're going to release it on the eighth day. And somebody comes in and you're slightly suspicious, you want to make sure they don't have um, any kind of a bad background uh, that would keep them from being able to own a firearm. So you go and you call it and you do the next check and you're the store owner. Well, the Fed saw that there was a anomaly, a click, uh, pick up in the numbers of calls coming in. And so they contact with a letter all the FFLs and say, can't do that no more. That violates federal law. If you don't get the state police to do those background checks, then you just have to go ahead and Release the weapon, release that firearm to the person who is standing in front of you, who has not a background check. And if you call in to check on them, we, the FBI and the state police, are going to come down on you. I found that to be absolutely um, an inacceptable, inexcusable um, response from our federal government to threat. You know, they, they threaten these people with punishment for yeah. making sure that they are not criminals. Just a bully. That some child is not going to die. Yeah. 
Um, a lot of people are worried about what happens with the 10-round magazine limit. Right, right. Well, it means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. Here's what, here's what that means. You can't manufacture them in Maryland. You can't sell them in Maryland. But if you own a magazine for your firearm, your handgun has a 16, you know, a 12 round magazine, mm -hmm. or you have a 20 round magazine for, you know, your assault uh, rifle, you can keep it and use it. You can go out of state and buy them and bring them back and use them. All the, the prohibition was for Maryland to manufacture them or sell them. So if you can get them outside the state and bring them here, they're fine to use. If you have them, you can keep them. And you can use them. So it just sounded good. All they wanted to do was be able to say, look at us, we did something. And it didn't matter if they sense. actually achieved anything. It was all chill. Man, you gave us like the, the Big Mac of legislation. <laughs> this has a lot of stuff to digest. But I'm, I'm so glad, man, that you put all that together because nobody else had all the pieces. I mean, it, it's just so much stuff that you can kind of forget how we got ramrodded this session. And I'm glad you were there, man, just to, to, to fight the good fight. I, I greatly appreciate that. And, look, I want to thank that, you know, we had 5,000 people turn out. <laughs> yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And they, they turned out so many. When the Senate had their hearing, they had to shut the Senate building down. And now when they came to the House, you know how many people turned out in favor of this bill? I believe it was 36. 36 people versus about 5,000. Yeah, have now, to ship them how do you somewhere. tell me, you know, the people of Maryland clearly know that what they want and what they want is the ability to defend themselves. And we're not defending ourselves. This has nothing to do with hunting. This has nothing to do with anything except being able to protect yourself from infringements by your own government on your personal liberties. And the government, you know, the, the, the government should not be doing what it is doing in Maryland. Maryland is the leading example in the country of people infringing on that constitutional right. And so we need to stand up and say, no, we're not going to allow it. We're going to fight it every step of the way. True that. Now, how do you, how do you spell your last name? It's S-M-I-G-I-E-L. All right, Brother Mike. Thank you, man. Thank it's, you so much. It's actually Polish, and it means slingshot or catapult. Get out of here. No, it's it's from Poland. And uh, when the Germans, the Prussians captured that part of Poland, but um, we looked it up and it means slingshot or catapult. So I said, that's almost apropos. Right, right. It is. It is. <laughs> Thank you, Maureen. Appreciate you, man, it's so much. Yeah, Semper Fi. It's a pleasure talking with you, sir. And anytime I can help you or your listeners, uh, come let me know and I'll answer any questions they have. And, you know, please go out to delegatemike.com and uh, keep abreast of what's taking place in uh, Second Amendment legislation or any other issue that you're. Uh, involved in, in the state legislature. All right, man. Thank you. This portion of the show has been sponsored by ErgoGrips.net. Small arms accessories built for high performance and control. Shooter focused. ErgoGrips.net. Speaking of Ergo, you know they make more than just those ergonomic rubber covers and pistol grips. They got everything on there. Sling accessories is almost everything you need for your AR or battle rifle. Check it out. Ergogrips.net. More than you think. All made for comfort and speed. Hey, don't forget to check out go-gunowners.com. Daryl has created a subtle and very professional logo that just says go and it stands for gun owners. I was actually wearing a gun owner's pin. Not any different, you know, not, not gun owners of America, not the NRA, not anybody in particular. 
just gun owners, G-O. And I was talking to this lady who was hilarious. She was on fire. She was just a happy person, really nice to talk to. And we got to talking. She was staring at my pen, and she finally said, what does that stand for? And I said, gun owners. And she just howled and said, oh, that is just so cool. So I gave it to her. We were talking a little longer, and then she said, my husband's not really a gun guy, but we have guns. I just inherited a lot of firearms from my father. I said, wow. Who's your husband? She said, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito. You could have pushed me over with a feather. So she was proudly wearing her G.O. pin on her dress. How about that? So you can get yours if you go to gogunowner.com and show your pride in the gun rights movement. Speaking of pride, if you have a holster with a tack light on it or laser and you can't find a holster to fit it, go to the holster site and site spelled S-I-T-E dot com and Mike can fix you up. I got a seriously well done leather holster for my Glock 34 with a laser and light attachment. Yeah, pretty smooth. Theholstersite.com Otherwise, conceal holster, crossbreed holsters. You know it. And if you want something that's tactical and you got a Glock with nothing else on it, go with the um, Serpa by Blackhawk. I'd go into battle with that one. There's a server for everybody. Just takes you a couple of minutes to kind of learn how to work it, and then then you're okay. But it's secure, and your stuff's not going to fall out if you had to go battle zombies tomorrow. This week, I've been talking a lot, a lot to politicians and people who are concerned about their rights, as we should be. Um, actually, the threat of Syria and all of that. Oh, man, it was just so much... Trauma, drama, stuff to think about. Then we had 9-11. We spoke about that last week. Remember November 12th, November 13th, November 14th, and November 15th in 2001. The churches, the synagogues, the temples were full. We cared about our families again. We cared about our neighbors. We talked to that guy. We used to just get our mail from. We didn't care whether you were black, white, green, brown, yellow, or anything. We were just Americans. Let's go back to that. Check out indivisible.org. That's what I'm about. I'm trying to bring back that, that small element that we're not divisive. Remember, what followed 9-11 was a great week. Didn't last long. Two weeks in some places, but it didn't last long before we got back to our routines. But we were of one nation. And that's what counts. As you go through your week and all the stuff that happens to you, I know some of us are still recovering from losses of jobs and finances and spouses and everything that you can lose in this world. Health. It's all a matter of perspective. 
It is. Half full or half empty. Busy living or busy dying. Perspective. You know, you can make yourself sick. You can wish yourself right into the grave. If you get real down on yourself, if you just start being a defeatist. But the sun still comes up every morning. Every chance that your feet hit the floor, you got a chance to do better. Think of it that way. It's all a matter of our perspective. There's the big gun rush of 2013 here in Maryland. Ammo is getting a little better. Folks are hunkering down on some stuff. But the sun will come out tomorrow. We will get to the promised land. We don't have the politicians that we want. But this has resonated with a lot of us. So we are paying attention now and we're going to make sure we put the good ones in now for sure. I have hope. I have faith in us. Better days are ahead. We got to do a little cleaning. But that's okay. We're going to get there. Got real hot this weekend. The weather just changed today. The storms came. And I was going out to the beach. Do the unnamed church podcast. Part of my other website, BlanchardChapel.us, which I've been neglecting right now. But I was out there just pondering. Found a nice place to get my dog's nails cut. And I was just sitting there at the dock of the bay and I was thinking, reading uh, my Facebook messages. And was thinking this was just like that song. Except for I'm not in San Francisco, I'm at the Chesapeake Bay. But it made me smile. Like you do. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for your calls. Thank you for making the Black Man with a Gun show as popular as it is. Over a million downloads. We gone platinum, baby. Well, all right. Like after drinking a tall cup of coffee on a two-hour bike ride, it's time to go. Thanks for riding with your friend and brother from another mother. If you like the show, feel free to tell somebody. The show notes can be found at blackmanwithagun.com. If you have a joke, a news item, or something that would fit, feel free to send it to me at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Want to advertise here or become a sponsor? Doesn't take much and I'll treat you real good. I know I can help. Contact me anytime. My phone number is 888-675-0202. Now may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine on all that you do. And until we meet or you hear from me again, may my God hold you in his mighty hands. I'm Ken Blanchard, and I appreciate you for making this on the best podcast on the net. Shalom, baby. Well, sister, the time has come for me to ride hard and fast. Sitting when the evening comes 
watching the ships rolling And then I watch them roll away again Yeah, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away I'm sitting on the dock of the bay, wasting time. I left my home in Georgia, headed for the Frisco Bay. Cause I had nothing to live for, and look like nothing's gonna come my way. So I'm just gonna sit. On the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Looks like nothing's gonna change Everything still remains the same I can't do what ten people tell me to do So I guess I remain the same Sitting here resting my bones And this loneliness won't leave me alone It's two thousand miles I roam Just to make this dock my home Now I'm just gonna sit At the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh-wee Sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Alright, this part where you whistle <laughs> Until next week Shalom, baby